Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Hey everybody, welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm your host, as always, Henry Chisholm. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store, in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. 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 I think I say coupon and Ryan says coupon, and I really hope that that was on the podcast, otherwise I just kind of sound dumb right now. But we don't have time to get into coupons and coupons because Colorado plays Nebraska tomorrow, Uh, and I really cannot believe that that day is finally here. It's been circled on my calendar for three, four months now. Just like, I mean, it's been circled on your guys' calendars for years. You are impressed by that. But this is going to be something else. You know, I woke up, and uh, my my plan for the day was to wake up, edit the draft podcast that I did with Andre Simone yesterday, throw that up on the feeds, go grab some coffee, get back here, and uh, record the show. But what really happened was I woke up, remembered that it was Nebraska Day tomorrow, and realized I didn't need any coffee at all because this energy is incredible, and I am so excited to see these two football teams play. You know, I know Nebraska fans want to say that they're ranked, it's top 25 team in the country, they're excited about that. Buffs fans want to say they're trash because they won four, or yeah, only four games last year, barely beat Southern Alabama last week. You know, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And the truth is that these are two really good football teams in my mind. Maybe they're not top 25 teams, but they're both top 50 teams. They might be top 40 teams. You know, it's it's interesting to think about what the Buffs need to do this year to find their way into the top 25. You know, it was kind of handed to the Huskers, uh, but Colorado will need to win some games to actually get into the top 25. And this is one that they kind of have to win if that's going to happen for them for a couple of reasons. First, that they, if they don't win this game, I I don't see them making it into the top 25 unless it's late in the season and they still only have one loss or still only have two losses just because that's how the national media 
views Colorado. And that's fair. You know, they lost seven straight games last year. They've been to one bowl game in the last way too many years. There, there are reasons to think that Colorado won't be a top 25, that they aren't a top 25 team. And they probably aren't right now, to be honest. But if they beat Nebraska, then all of a sudden they start to be creeping toward that conversation. I don't think that's going to be enough for them to be gaining any votes. I definitely don't think that it will. But, you know, it would be putting them on the right path because then after that game, they play Air Force. Air Force, we've talked about before, is a tricky tricky game. But that will put them at 3-0 and because they are the better team and they should win that game. Then they're at Arizona State. Then they have a bye. They play Arizona. Two winnable games. And you're looking at a team that is 5-0. and And last year that was enough for them to get into the top 25 rankings. And I think that that would be true again this year. Especially because Nebraska has a little more hype this year than they did last year. You know, if the Buffs win, they're beating a top 25 team. Which is something that they haven't done too often recently. Uh, 5-0 and right there, that probably gets them into the rankings. All of a sudden, you have to be paying attention to them if you're the national media. And the things get tougher from there, like we've talked about before, but, you know, this really is a huge game in terms of the respect that Colorado gets nationally. And I don't think that I'm the first one to say that, but it will totally alter how Mel Tucker is viewed in Boulder, around Colorado, in in Denver, where people are half paying attention, not even half paying attention. This weekend they're paying attention, but after that, man, not so much. Around Colorado and then around the country too. You know, this is such a huge game. This is such a huge game. And you can pick your favorite out of 20 different storylines about why this game is so massive. And I don't think I would argue with any of them. You know, you could say it's, Mel Tucker having a chance to prove himself in Boulder. You could say it's Steven Montez having a chance to prove himself in a game that people will be watching. Same thing for LaVisca Chenault when he says he wants to be a number one receiver. Well, guess what? This week, you know, I, I think that Nebraska is going with the same strategy that CSU did, which will be box LaVisca Chenault out of the game with whatever it takes. Double team him. Triple team him. Whatever it takes, do not let LaVisca Chenault beat you. And there's a real chance that this is kind of the last time this season that we will see teams go that far. Obviously, LaVisca Chenault will be the focal point of this offense throughout the entire season. But teams want to see if the Buffs' other receivers can step up and beat football teams if they're just guarded one-on-one because LaVisca Chenault is taken out of the game. You know, Colorado did that against Colorado State. They did a great job. Tony Brown had an incredible game. They didn't use Katie Nixon too much, but he looked good. Uh, Dimitri Stanley, the, the tight ends looked good. Dimitri Stanley didn't play much at all, but I think that we're going to see a lot more of him this week. So the Buffs have proven that those guys can win football games for them, but they did it against Colorado State. Nebraska's a step up. Nebraska isn't going to look at that film and say, oh, well, I guess we can't just double-team LaVisca every snap and then half the time throw a safety over the top just in case. They're going to have to test it out for themselves. 
because they're a power five team. They have a good defense. You know, they, they forced five turnovers. And sure, some of them may be a little fluky, but the, the pick six was a beautiful, beautiful play from the safety. Reading the quarterback's eyes, jumping the route, catching the ball in stride, and taking it to the house. Maybe a Steven Montez, maybe a power five quarterback doesn't make that throw and he doesn't even get the opportunity. But that safety had that throw locked in his brain through the entire play, knew exactly where that ball was going, capitalized. There's some talent on this defense. You know, five turnovers, maybe not replicable. But still, the potential is there for that type of production out of that defense. It's going to be a test, and they think that they can shut down these other receivers. So, we will see. I, I don't think that they will be able to. It's I mean, Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley, these guys are really good at football. And when they do beat the Huskers, or not even if, even if they don't beat the Huskers, but if these receivers can prove that they can run the offense with LaVisca Chenault on an island on the other side, or just out of the game with a couple of defenders, if, if that still leads to big-time production for this offense, then the rest of the season, teams are going to be backing off LaVisca a little bit. You know, you're going you're gonna to still see him double-teamed every time, but everybody's eyes won't be on him because there's so much else going on on the football field. And so that's why I really think that Nebraska is going to take LaVisca out of the game in a way that no more teams the rest of the season really will. That means that if the Buffs want to get LaVisca to the ball, they're going to have to be creative. It can't just be in the ways that we all want to see him get the ball, which is when, you know, I say it a lot, but those just intermediate routes, those 10-yard digs, those 10-yard outs, you know, 15 yards, maybe even like a post, just just things that get him moving across the middle of the field, easy pickup for, or pick up the first down easily and then see if he can make a play from there. That's what we want to see from LaVisca Chenault, but Nebraska won't be giving that stuff up. What you have to do is put him at H-back or tight end, have him run these end arounds. You know, there's there's a lot of options, a lot of versatility in many of these players in the Buffs offense, LaVisca Chenault being the most obvious option, but even Katie Nixon, he's a guy you can throw in the backfield. You can line him up in different spots. Jaron Mangum is a running back who you'd like to think that if you line him up in the backfield as a running back and flex him out, put him in motion, send him into the slot, he's the type of receiver who could make a linebacker pay. And so then all of a sudden, the 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 Nebraska uh, defense doesn't know whether to match up a... Uh, a uh, linebacker on Broussard or a safety or cornerback on Broussard and you just take the mismatch. If they put a linebacker on him, you put Broussard out in the slot and have him beat beat the linebacker out there. If they try to put a cornerback on him or a safety on him, you run the ball up the middle and you have the size advantage. You're much heavier uh, up front than they are. You know, you have options that come from this versatility and the, the creativity is really going to come in this week much more than it did, obviously, than Colorado State because against Colorado State, they were very vanilla. They were running all of those base concepts. They weren't creative at all. They were running a lot of two tight end sets, which was interesting to me, and we'll see if that's a, a trend 
throughout the season or if that's uh, just something that they just a look they want to give that week. You know, I think somebody yesterday I did so many podcasts yesterday that they're all kind of running together. First, Ryan and I did the BSN Buffs podcast. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, I'd listen to that one. It's always awesome having Ryan on Ryan on. And then after that, we did the Denver Sports Podcast, which I would definitely listen to because we did, I mean, it's an hour-long podcast, like 45 minutes of it was probably Buffs talk, 15 minutes of it was probably Broncos talk. That one was me and Ali Monroy and Ryan again and Andrew Mason, the new Broncos writer at BSN Denver, super experienced guy, super smart guy, and Matt McChesney. So that was awesome getting to hear all these different takes, a lot of discussion about the buffs. And then also we had uh, the BSN Draft podcast, me and Andre Simone, which dropped this morning. So that's a lot of podcasts that came out yesterday, but we had a lot of buffs talk. Check it out if you feel free. The point is, though, all of those are kind of running together, so I can't remember who exactly said it, but somebody was talking about how... Mel Tucker was really playing two games last week. It wasn't just about beating Colorado State. It was also about setting his team up to beat Nebraska, which means you throw two tight ends out on the field often so that Nebraska thinks that that might be something that you're going to do going forward. So they're going to spend time in meetings and time in practice talking about what to do against these two tight end looks and the plays that were run out of the two tight end looks. First of all, you know, Did they run 70% of the time out of those? Did they run 50% of the time? Knowing those tendencies. Then when they do throw the ball, where do they throw the ball? Do they try to target the tight ends? When do they try to target the tight ends? Is it on out routes? Is it on deep routes? Is it on intermediate routes? Um, what, What do the patterns even look like? Were they varied or were there lots of levels concepts? Was it uh, everybody go to one side, just split all the different defenders uh, into different levels, one guy will be open. You know, there's so many things to look into, and so that's one of the things that Nebraska's coaches spent time, I guarantee you, talking about what what does a two-tight-end look from Colorado mean. And they're hoping that that's the same thing that it will mean this week, and it's something that the Buffs will run again this week because they'll have some sort of idea what to expect when they see that formation. Um, the buffs on the other hand they might really like those looks those might be their best plays they might have been thinking we need to test these out against Colorado State before we know that they're going to work against Nebraska you know most of these tight ends don't have many catches they they haven't proven themselves as receivers whether it's the transfer whether it's uh, the guys who've been here for a while so they might have wanted to actually use the real plays and see whether they work and see whether that's something that they can pull out against Nebraska or something they can pull out later in the season against, uh, I don't know, UCLA. Because these are things that Mel Tucker now has in his back pocket because he knows how these work. Or they might have just been setups. So maybe maybe they ran 70% of the time out of two tight end sets last week so that they could set up uh, running only 50% of the time. You know, all these little changes through everything are a second game that Mel Tucker was playing last week, which isn't always the case. You know, usually you're using all of your best stuff so that you can go out there and beat the team that you're playing against. 
that is different when you're playing Colorado State, a team that you should beat when there's a talent advantage where you can run, you should be able to run at least any play you want and have it be successful. One of the things that I really enjoyed about when I was covering Montana football was talking with Bobby Houck, the head coach. He's he's a legend. He's won a bunch. We don't need to get into that, but very experienced, very smart football guy. One of the things that I talked to him about that really stuck with me and really impressed me, kind of like changed how I saw things, was how he talked about uh, when they used a three tight end set after being like, you know, mostly in 10 personnel or 11 personnel, you know, one running back and a tight end or just a running back and four receivers. You know, those are the things that Montana was mostly running. Then one week, he goes out there with three tight ends. And I asked about that. Like, why did you do that? And it's just about keeping the other side on their toes. They don't have tape on that. They don't know what they're supposed to do in those situations because it's not something they've prepared for. They don't know the tendencies. They don't know what looks uh, what looks Montana's trying to get, which players they're trying to get to make decisions so that the quarterback can pick the other player and they don't know what the quarterback's tendencies are which player he goes to in these sets where his eyes are going you know there's so much that comes with being able to watch tape of a game that it really can't be overstated good football coaches know how to vary all of their looks and so last week we saw a bunch of different things we saw we saw Steven Montez in the shotgun a little bit a, a lot more work under the center uh, than I expected Uh, A lot of work in the pistol. They were going up-tempo some of the time. They were just sprinting up to the line of scrimmage, snapping the ball 20 seconds on the play clock. Sometimes they'd run it down. You know, they were so varied that it's going to be tough to predict what what will be the base concepts that they will stick with in every game this season and what will be changing from week to week. You know, whether they they have a four wide receiver package that they want to be using uh, 10% of their snaps every game or whether it's something that's going to be 50% of the snaps in three of the games and you're barely even going to see it in the others. You know, all that kind of stuff, we just don't know about either football team. And both teams really had that advantage of being able to run whatever they want to set up this game. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out because it means that there will be a lot more thinking going on in this game, a lot more adjustments. Um, The smarter football team should win, in my mind, because it's all going to be read and react. Neither team had to show the stuff that they're going to use this week. And that's so exciting to see how much different the first quarter looks than the fourth quarter. Uh, This has been... A bit of a long segment, but there's one more point that I really want to talk about, uh, kind of down this vein, and it is that Mel Tucker was talking a week or two ago. It was before the Colorado State game. He said, this is going to be a rules game. What he means by that is that his defense is going to be playing by the rules that they have been building through spring ball, through fall camp, and that's going to dictate what plays they run, when they're blitzing, or what the coverages look like, who's covering who. All this sort of stuff is just going to be dictated by their rules. And that means, you know, 
there are three receivers on one side of the field. What does that mean? That means one cornerback lines up here, here, here. You know, there's whatever going on somewhere else. You notice this thing. It's it's almost like a checklist. You you know, <laughs> you know when you're in junior high and you have to identify trees and they give you that book and it says, okay, start at the first page. And the first page is, well, how tall is the tree? Is it more than 20 feet? And if it's yes, then you flip to this page. If it's no, you flip to this page. And then after that, it's like, does it have leaves or does it have needles? And you go through all these different steps and eventually it narrows it down and says, oh, this is probably the tree that's right there. It's the exact same thing with this defense where they look at one thing and then they look at the next thing and they take something away from that and they take something away from whatever they look at next. And it's all the way through. And then in theory, they're in the best possible situation to be defending what the offense is throwing at them. That's a lot of work. Uh, it looked like they screwed up some of the rules last week because they gave up 500 yards and the coverage looked ugly outside of the interceptions. But it's going to be another one of those weeks, I think. And I think that that really does give an edge to Colorado because even if they don't have everything buttoned down the way they want to, I think that the, the Mel Tucker defense is built for these situations there's so much in it. You don't need great play calling. You don't need to know what's coming. You just go by the rules. And if you do know what's coming, then you get to get creative. Then you get to start playing with the tendencies and start throwing more creative, but all these different things. This is going to be such a fun game to watch from a technical standpoint too. And I know that that isn't something that's getting quite as much play as everything else that's going on in this rivalry game, but as a football nerd, that is what I am so excited to see is how does this defense adjust? What are they going to look like? You know, Adrian Martinez, if he starts throwing the ball, who knows what this game is going to look like? I'm so excited. I hope you guys are excited too. I hope we didn't get too heavy into the football talk because sometimes that happens. But I promise we will be getting back to some more hypey stuff after we take a second to talk about Breckenridge Brewery the official beer of BSN Denver. You know, we've been drinking Breck brews at the office. In, and that sounds bad, but it's exactly what I mean. Like, yesterday we're in there, we're, like, putting up a wallpaper, and everybody's just, like, grabbing beers out of the fridge because Breck just surprises us, supplies us with beers. We are a full-on Breckenridge Brewery company, and it's such a cool thing to be a part of because Breckenridge Brewery, we go out there and they're super cool people too. So they make good beer. They're good people. We just hang out and drink their beer. And maybe that's why I have such like positive vibes that come from Breckenridge just because it's just like our hangout beer. It's like, oh, we got done with the podcast. Time to crack a beer and do whatever else needs to be done around here. Uh we are so happy to be partnered with Breckenridge because they share that same kind of vibe and they're, they're just like us. Like they are what we are trying to be. You know, they started in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. I've said that before. And now they sell beers all across the country. They aren't just local anymore. They've just grown and grown and grown, but they started the same way BSN started with a couple of people who were super into something and started doing something about it and built from there and that's why we get along that's why they're such big sponsors of ours 
Um, super cool company. If you haven't checked them out yet, you really should. If you're in Colorado, it's super, super easy to find their stuff. Go to grocery stores, go to liquor stores. Total Bev. Total Bev's a good one. Uh, and grab some of those beers and try them. If you're outside of the state, you can use their beer locator, which is pretty cool. It's on their Breckenridge website. Um, just type in like what beer you want and your zip code, and it'll tell you like the closest options for that beer for like any Breck beers. Awesome. Check it out. Um, yeah. Also, the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. It'll tell you about all of our different events, whether they're watch parties, bar crawls. I don't know if the tailgate is on there for Saturday, but I really do hope to see you guys up there. It's going to be an awesome tailgate. Uh, BSN crossover with Blake Street Tavern. It's going to be a blast. It's seriously going to be a blast. Um, I'll be up there. I don't know when I'll be up there, but I, th I think they're going to get started pretty early tomorrow morning uh, on Franklin Field. It's like on the west side of Franklin Field down kind of toward the south of the west side is how Ryan explained it. So come check it out. There will be like Blake Street Tavern stuff. There will be BSN stuff. Uh, Ryan will be there. Allie will be there. I'll be there. I think some other people will be there. I think Tyler Ziskin from the Freeballing Podcast, which is awesome. And I had a chance to talk to him last night, and he is awesome. He'll be there. And we're all going to be ready to talk some buffs, drink some Breck brews, and eat some good food. So hopefully we'll see you all there. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S., so my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. All right. Second segment now. Uh... Promise not to be so nerdy in this one. I'll do my best at least. Sometimes that's hard. Uh, I woke up this morning actually and figured we've had a lot of good talk about Colorado. You know, we've had so many smart former buffs, people who followed the buffs, uh, that kind of stuff, talking about uh, this, this buffs team, what they need to do, uh, the Buffs rivalry, but we haven't heard as much about Nebraska outside of Adrian Martinez might not be able to throw the football, which would be pretty exciting for this Saturday if that's the case. But I thought I should probably keep reading up on what's been going on in Nebraska and kind of what the narrative is there. The first thing I clicked on was a story on a Nebraska fan blog, I think from yesterday, about Colorado's aluminum cups. 
and how they are dangerous. Uh, I think they said chuckable. So that's where their minds are. <laughs> um, they, there were like 50 comments on the story. Everybody's saying, well, why are they doing this? These are just dangerous. Uh, they're going to be throwing them at them. Why are we doing this for the Nebraska game? They're serving only beer in them. That means that people are going to be drunk. That makes them even more likely to throw these cups. It's a health hazard. I think some of them said it wasn't even good for the environment. I don't know about that stuff, but it sounds good for the environment. And that's good enough for me, I guess. Um, here's what I want to add to that conversation, though. I actually have one of those cups. They gave them to us at the press conference. And it's a it's a cup. Like, like it, it's seriously just a normal cup. Like, if somebody said, like, put this blindfold on, let me put one cup in one hand and the other cup in the other hand, and you tell me the difference. First of all, if that ever happens, you should probably say no. But if you did say yes, then he put, like, a plastic cup in one hand and the aluminum cup in the other hand, you would not be able to tell the difference. Like, it's honestly remarkable how much these aluminum cups feel like plastic cups. If they hadn't had the announcement, I think people would think that they're just silver plastic. Look cool, though. And some they're mostly good for the environment, I guess. They're reusable. so Or no, they're not reusable. They made a strong point of saying they're not reusable. Steven Montez was up in that press conference. He was going up next after those guys. And he was super excited about them because they do look sick. And multiple people told him, Steven... These are not reusable. Please don't try to reuse these. So keep that in mind. Uh, and then Stephen killed in that press conference. And I wrote a story about that. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Uh, dropped it last night, Thursday night. Uh, subscribers only, of course. But I enjoyed writing it. And hopefully you guys enjoy reading it. Moving along from cups, though, because that's probably enough of that. The The story around Nebraska is mostly about how it's it's almost like they're saying everything that has happened has been bad and so that means what's next is good which is this weird form of logic but it's kind of the underlying uh, underlying theme of what they're saying it's you know they got the kinks out in the first game you know they went out there and that's just something they didn't have a chance to do against Colorado last year because their first game was canceled because of a hurricane they they didn't have a chance to like get all the rust off before they played the game that mattered, uh, which was against Colorado, and they don't deny that. So now that they have a game where they look really bad against South Alabama to start the season, they're saying the kinks are out. This is what we were talking about last year. Now we have a chance to actually do something about this. But the truth is they really didn't look that great. In my mind, at least, you know, if if Adrian Martinez can throw the ball better, all of a sudden everything changes. Like, that defense made plays, similar to Colorado. Like, they weren't getting the stops they needed. I wasn't as impressed as some people have been about uh, that defense. They, they were talking it up a little more than I liked, but they did pull five turnovers, and some of them were good plays. A couple of them a little fluky, but that's how turnovers work. And... That's really what the Huskers focus on. You know, that's kind of been the trend with what they're trying to build on defense. So on offense, it's pretty obvious what they're going for. They have one of the best young dual-threat quarterbacks in the country, somebody who could turn into be uh, a Heisman prospect. 
I don't know if he's on the short list to do that, but he is on the list to do that. Um, they want to run the ball with him. They want to run options. They want to run RPOs. They want to have a splashy offense. They aren't going to be like ground and pound. It's going to be let's run and run in a way that could get us chunk gains and throw the ball as well. On defense, they aren't built to grind you out. You know, they they aren't built to force you to take two yards on first down, then four yards on second down, hold you to three on third down, and make you punt. That's not what they try to do. What they want to do is make plays. And we saw them do that. You know, they, they had the five turnovers. They're a defense that is going to be built off of sacks and tackles for loss and splash plays. Turnovers being the, the, the key there. That's what you're really shooting for. And, and I like that. I really do like that. I've said that before. I think I've said it on this podcast too. I'm not sure if I've said it here for sure. But I think that old school build a good stout defense, um, force a team to take 15 plays to get down the field type defense isn't really what's working anymore. You know, it, it still worked in the NFL up until the last couple of years when we saw this new revolution, this new version of the West Coast offense with Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or whoever you want to point to. Up until then, I think that you still could do that. And that's kind of what the Broncos did. The Broncos' Super Bowl defense was the transition to me because they did have some of that in them still, but it was the sacks. And it was, you know, it was it was the sacks. That's what it was that really changed things. And they benefited from a bunch of turnovers, but they had cornerbacks who weren't going to let you beat them for too many yards. They had safeties who were doing the same thing, but they had these pass rushers who could get the splash plays and set you back, and that was how they beat teams. But that was a transition. You have pieces of this grinded-out defense and pieces of this flash defense, and I think we're moving toward that flash defense, particularly in college football, and Nebraska seems to be really buying into that. They're going for... They're going for big plays on defense, not for consistency. And I, I actually think that there's some of that in the Buffs defense as well. You know, they have the turnover robe. They have the havoc belt for havoc plays, which still aren't defined. But that's kind of where football is going. And that's what we're going to see this week, whether Nebraska's actually found a way to build that sort of defense and whether that defense is going to you know, intercept three passes every week and recover two fumbles every week and have five sacks and nine tackles for loss. Four sacks. I think it was four sacks. You know, this is this is the test. This is when we're going to see whether that's just something they can do against South Alabama or whether that's something they can do against a Colorado, a Pac-12 Power 5 school. And we just don't know is the answer. You know, I... I would guess that you just kind of cut all those numbers in half and that's what you see. That'd be the easy answer here. But it could be that they really are that good. That, you know, it, it would have been tough for them to put up much better stats against anybody. That's how good those defensive numbers were. Um, maybe, maybe they do hold it up. Maybe they really fall flat. That's one of the big questions here, though, is can they get turnovers because we saw in that 
Colorado-Colorado State game, the turnovers really were the difference. I, you could tell that Colorado was more talented, especially as that game wore on. But they won the turnover margin, what, 4 nothing in that game? 3 nothing in that game? And they won by three touchdowns. You know, you, you balance those turnovers out, then it's probably pretty close. Uh, you give Colorado State the turnover advantage, and who knows what happens. And You do have to obviously give the Buffs credit because they didn't turn the ball over, and they did get turnovers. Mel Tucker keeps saying that turnovers are the most important part of the game. Like, that's the stat that you look at, the turnover margin, to see who is going to win the football game. And he's right. And I think that this is going to be a test to see, is Steven Montez really going to be careful with the ball? Can can you trust him at quarterback to not turn the ball over and just distribute it to the playmakers? And also on the other side, Mikhail Onu. Is he going to repeat what he did last week? Probably not, but he'll probably have a splash play in there somewhere, I would guess. Uh, you know, Makai Blackman, Delrick Abrams. Can those two really step up? Aaron Maddox, I think, could do something as well. And then you have the pass rush where you just need to need to see more because those guys are capable of more. And now they're going up against a tougher test with this Nebraska offensive line that is always, always talented. And, you know, those would be, I don't, I don't know how to transition. I'm not going to try to transition. Um, I'm excited now to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you will get it shipped straight to your door. Time now for the third and final segment. Didn't get many uh, comments, so we'll get to those later. But before we keep talking Huskers, I do need to say that yesterday, after a 70-minute, 90-minute lightning delay, something like that, a long lightning delay is the point, uh, the Buff soccer team beat Austin P 2 nothing, And, you know, that's not the surprise. But they are now 5-0 and and... On Sunday, they will be playing Baylor, and Baylor's currently ranked 24th, I believe, in the country. That's going to be a huge game, and I think right now Colorado's, but before this last game, they were uh, six spots outside of the top 25. So if they beat Baylor on Sunday, uh, they should jump up into the top 25, which is really exciting. There's awesome stuff going up there, uh, going on up there at uh, Prentup Field. So if you get a chance on Sunday, I think I'll be out there. Probably, I'm still trying to figure out what this weekend's going to look like in terms of Nebraska stuff for me, Nebraska work. But I plan on being up there. I think the kickoff is scheduled for one maybe on Sunday. And if the Buffs win, they should be in the top 25. And they will be 6-0 and at that point, which is incredible. And then next Thursday, they go play Florida State uh, in Florida which will be a huge game as well because Florida State is ranked sixth as of now. Um, they'll probably jump back up. They've had a couple losses because of bad 
they played good teams last week. We don't need to get too deep into college soccer talk, but I do need to bring that up that this is such a fun team to watch and they're going to be playing at print up finishing off this long homestand to start the season with a good chance to be six and oh and jump up. I mean, I think they could jump up pretty high in those rankings this week too, because they've they're flawless. I think they've given up three goals so far in five games. It's pretty incredible stuff. Um, yeah, go check that out on Sunday, but let's get back to football. Um, the final segment now of the week before we get into Nebraska stuff. You know, we usually don't do a podcast on draft pod day, but it's Nebraska week. So how could I not do one? Especially because we also took Monday off while we were, I mean, it's Labor Day switching over the podcast system, which has been a really cool system, honestly, but you guys don't care. Uh, tomorrow though, after the game, there will be a post game podcast. It'll probably be on the shorter end, just some like quick initial reactions to what we saw i'm not sure if i can give a time for that one but it'll probably be a while after the game because it's you know the post-game press conference there's like writing stuff uh you want to wait for the press box to clear out before you record a podcast because it kind of feels dumb to talk like this in front of people so just know that that's on the way if you need something to listen to after the buffs beat nebraska it'll be there for you all right uh, now it's kind of time for my final thoughts before we get into the actual game. It's been a wild week, obviously, uh, on Twitter, uh, talking to people, hearing from McChesney and Daniel Graham and Bobby Pesavento and Mike Pritchard. And you, you name whoever you want, and they've had awesome takes on this game. They've really gotten me hyped up. It's going to be something else out there. Um, I think the Buffs win. I really do think that the Buffs are going to win this game. They didn't show much at all in that first game. And, you know, Nebraska didn't either. But I just trust Mel Tucker to make the adjustments when he sees things happening on the field on the fly much more than I trust uh, Scott Frost. That's the fact of the matter. And that's what I think the game is going to come down to. I mean, you could say that it's whether the Buffs are able to keep Adrian Martinez in the pocket or whether Steven Montez can get the ball to these other Buffs receivers in the LaVisca Chenault, whether LaVisca Chenault can break through double coverage and play a, play a part in this game. You know, there are a bunch of different things like that you could point to. But all of those things are going to be decided by the coaching decisions made in the game because they... They haven't had much to go off of. I mean, they've had more than Nebraska has had just because they can look back at last season and see what what they did last year, and most of that will probably be similar this season. Mel Tucker is a coach. He knows he knows how to coach on the fly. It's 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 so different than other games later in the season when you have the tape, when you're able to spend all week planning by the time you get out there you're watching a play and you're saying oh boy what was that what does that mean how do you defend that three plays later you you have to process all of that information it's just totally on the fly you're putting them on the spot it's it's like it's a pop quiz is what it is you walk in you have no idea what's happening and you just have to adjust and adapt and that's what mel tucker i think 
is great at or he was very good at, at, at uh, or he was very good at it last week against Colorado State and I think that that means that he has that in him so that was a long way to say that and it kind of repeats what I was saying earlier in the show but that's really is what this game is going to come down to it's going to be who can adjust and I think the buffs do it and I think that they win 34 27. That's the number that I'm putting on this. When I say it, at first, first it sounds high, just knowing how these teams played before. And then I think about it, I'm like, well, I don't trust either of these defenses, so it kind of sounds low. And that's how you know that it's the right number, 34-27. Um, I was off last week. For a second, it looked like I was going to be right. I can't remember what the prediction was. But, yeah, that's, that's really what I see here. Um, Buffs squeak one out, and they come out 2-0 and in this rivalry before it starts back up again in a few years. We have one comment today, which isn't enough. So, guys, please comment. You know, one of the cool things about uh, the new podcasting system, the new software we have, is that it tells us how many people are listening to our podcast, which is pretty cool. And I know that more of you should be commenting on this based on those numbers so if you have any thoughts at all we always love to hear them uh sunny rain has some thoughts on nebraska which i'm guessing most of you do so share them uh says memo to the local paramedics in boulder you might want to just hang right at Folsom field saturday afternoon i promise hundreds of hyperventilating mouth breathers in red will be passing out when things go south on the field for nebraska i like that for a second i thought we were going to say that Buffs fans are going to be like fighting or stabbing or I, I don't really know what happens in these big rivalry games. I don't really know what you're like building toward. Is there like stabbings? Is it just like talk? Do people actually like brawl? About to find out. Glad to hear that they're just going to be passing out though. Uh, he says, Henry, the children of the corn are trying to amp up all this fake rage. It's not going to work. No matter how pissy Husker fans get, they will never have the legit equal reason to despise CU. So embrace the phony rage. Husker fan, uh, knock yourselves out. Just remember, the ride in the ambulance isn't free. So true. Uh, here's to defending the memory of Salinesi and upholding the honor of the McCartney family. A uh, couple of cheersing beers emojis and hashtag better dead than red. Love it. They really are trying to hype this game up. In just the worst way, you know, like, like it's one thing if the fans are going crazy on Twitter and they are, they are, they're saying all this ridiculous stuff. They're talking about how, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about how they were the better team last year and they should have won last year. And then bus fans will like bring something up and they'll say, Oh, you guys are living in the past. And it's like, no bus fans aren't living in the past. The bus were never like the top dog in this rivalry until right now, until last year when the bus actually beat Nebraska this is the new version of the rivalry. I feel like, you know, you have to look at the overall numbers. And sure, Nebraska's won way more games than Colorado has. But at the same time, in this new edition of the rivalry, and I really do think that they're, this should be counted separate, separately. The Buffs are 1-0. And like the, you, again, the overall number matters and all that kind of stuff. But this is a reset button. This is going forward. And for Nebraska fans to be saying that the Buffs are the ones living in the past when they're hiring Scott Frost to come in and run a 1990s offensive system, it's 
It's wild. They didn't even win. Like, right now, I mean, I, there's no trophy for this game. There's no belt for this game or anything like that. I vote there should be. More trophies, the better in sports. But how? Right now, Colorado would have that trophy. And Nebraska fans are saying that Colorado is living in the past, and it's just absurd. It doesn't make any sense at all to me. I am so excited to see. They're trying to hype it up, and it, again, it's just not working. Like, they're just... It's, it's dumb. It's dumb is what it is. And the team is doing it, too. And that's the worst part, because it's one thing if the fans are out here talking, saying, oh, yeah, Nebraska's way better. We're going to wipe the floor with you guys. Sure, yeah, talk what you want to talk about. You could say that, but when you lose, it's going to look bad. If you win, it's going to look fine, but we'll see what happens. For Scott Frost and for Scott Frost's team to be out there saying, oh, we're the better team, like, we were better last year. We should have won. There's a target on uh, Jacob Callier's head. He's posting the the videos of or the images that people are sending. He's posting images of the DMs he's getting of Nebraska fans saying, uh, "You better watch out. They're coming for you." This this kind of stuff. It's messed up. You know. I think it might have been one of the players who retweeted a picture of uh of like a. A target, like a, I don't know what you call that. It's like the sight. It's a little circle with the X in the middle over his head. It's messed up. It's messed up, and they're taking it too far. And that just is going to make it so much sweeter if the Buffs come out and beat them. And they have to. They really do have to. This is a huge game. <sighs> Nebraska fans are the worst. That's, that's what it is. You know, I came into this, and, and, and I'd heard Nebraska fans say, well, Buffs fans are bad. Like, they're the most classless people, all this sort of stuff. And then they go out there and say, Sal is dead, go Big Red. Talking about McCartney giving his daughter out to... Uh, it, it's, it's all over the place, and it's disgusting. It's not all right. They do that. They do this stuff with Jacob Callier. They don't know what they're talking about when they're saying things either like they just sound dumb is what it is and going out to Folsom tomorrow going out hang out in Boulder I'm gonna be up there at like eight or nine tomorrow morning just so I can see it just so I can see all the tailgates all the people in red there's gonna be a lot of red there's gonna be a lot of red outside of Folsom it's going to be everywhere even to talking to people inside the athletics department like sure we hope it's 15,000 but it's probably going to be a lot more than 15,000 of the 50,000 in the stadium who are wearing red tomorrow, and that's going to be pretty gross. And outside, it's going to be a lot, a lot more than it is inside. So be ready. It's going to be a blast. I'm so excited to see the buildup, to see the game, and I seriously just can't wait. That's it for today. I think uh, we've talked about everything there is to talk to about this matchup, about the biggest game of the season. You know, <laughs> Nebraska fans are saying that it doesn't even matter. Like this isn't a rivalry. And then you look through their comments, and just like the one of the comments on that stupid story about how the Nebraska fans are going to get hurt because the Buffs are going to throw metal cups at them. One of the comments said, if if we drop a 50-burger on Colorado, I'm all right if we lose every other game this season. 
I mean, come on. Like, pick a side. Like, all this stuff is just back and forth, and it doesn't make any sense. <sighs> we'll see how it ends. We'll see how it ends. And I'll be back here with the podcast tomorrow night, breaking down everything that happened there tomorrow. Hopefully, I'll see you guys at the tailgate. Again, like I said, I plan on getting up there pretty early tomorrow. Blake Street Tavern, BSN Denver tailgate. There's going to be food and beer, uh, TVs. We're going to be hanging out. So come say hi. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I'll see you on game day. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.